Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're diving right into our weekend pitcher bet for NFL Wildcard Weekend. We've got all the games and analysis for everything going on in football this weekend. And as promised last time, we're getting into basketball. Basketball trade deadline is less than a month away. The day we're recording here, Thursday, the 13th of January, we had a big trade go down in New York. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Cam Reddish trade, talk about the rumors that Ben Simmons probably isn't getting traded. And then Matt Morris, my co-host, said that he thinks we are going to have the best finals ever this year. So basketball, football, pod, let's run the music. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Matt Guest. With me, as always, mentioned him in the intro today is my co-host in Vegas. What's up, Matt? Love the Green Bay Packers shirt, baby. It's playoff season. Yeah, hell yeah, it is. I'm uh, currently freezing my ass off in this office here, uh, sitting, you know, right by the window. Also, um, you know, thinking about warmer times, uh, like a lot of you are <laughs> out there, and uh, baseball in regards to warmer times. We have no news yet on the CBA, so that's a little disappointing supposedly they were supposed to have an offer come out i think it was actually yesterday or today via the players association and the major league baseball front office um but yeah we could be looking at a strike as the two of us talked about earlier in the podcast season yeah man um you know hope that doesn't happen but at the end of the day basketball season goes long enough into baseball yeah. season nowadays that i think hopefully we won't have a dead period where we're not going to be talking about anything i have no idea how long the olympics goes maybe we'll have a little olympics crossover is it but olympic season yeah this this oh yeah the 2020 Dude, uh, COVID, 2022 is, is olympics but everything it's everything up <laughs> well it's winter olympics it's not summer so usually it's every two years but since we switched over and had to do summer olympics last year it was just like a one-year break but uh, yeah the olympics rotate every two years from winter to summer so this is the winter olympics where you know you got hockey um you know snowboarding all that stuff but there's a lot of bs going on with china which we're not a political show so we don't get into that but yeah maybe maybe we'll have some olympics crossover if need be but i think basketball since it's the longest and most uh <laughs> you know long tenured season out there out of all the pro sports that we talk about on this podcast will be fine <laughs> it's just crazy to me i think about this all the way back to you know being a fan as a kid the playoffs they just stretch out so long it's in the nba like uh, and i i have always always thought it's a little excessive um you know baseball's got the long regular season basketball's got the long playoffs but it's just kind of it's how the sports are set up it is what it is dude and they and i mean they make them long drawn out because it's all about money dude and they want to get as many viewers as they yep. can and they do basketball playoffs is fucking i watch pretty much every single game so it's a it's a smart move by the nba But let's get into our pitcher bet right off the bat, dude. So we're betting a pitcher of beer this weekend on our wild card weekend extravaganza in the NFL. Um, we do have a full slate of games. The Packers and the Titans are the two top seeds in the NFL, so they get their first round by. But I mean, we still get six great games spanning from Saturday to Monday, which I think is trash. But we get a Monday <laughs> night football game playoff. And I mean, all these matchups are... Eh, Five of these six matchups are very, very good and should be entertaining football. 
Um, let's just dive right into the first matchup, Matt. So the first game is is an interesting one. The line seems too easy. This is a stinky line to me for the game. Right now, it's Cincinnati is hosting your Las Vegas Raiders, your hometown team out there in Vegas. They are five and a half point favorites today on Thursday. So what is your thoughts on the game? We'll get to your pick here in a second, but what do you think the Raiders can do to actually compete in this game and be there in the fourth quarter to have a chance? You know, man, we've talked a lot about Vegas being an, uh, an opportunity for an open coaching position. And this week, there's been a lot come out about Vegas's interim head coach being, you know, ultimately fantastic in that locker room, building relationships and ultimately getting them to this position. I'm not sure that we actually see a Raiders head coaching change. And if hmm. he can continue to pull this team together and make this game competitive... I think he's got a job, but it's going to be hard. The Bengals' offense is very high-powered. They're also operating in a position where, you know, they have momentum. If you look at this last week with the Chargers, if you'll remember the first game the Chargers and Raiders played this year, Chargers beat the shit out of them until the very end of the game when the Raiders figured them out. Once the right. Raiders figured them out, it was it was a game. Then you go back to this game this past weekend. The Raiders came in with the same play calling and and made it a football game, right? And had the lead most of the game. So I think ultimately what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to be in the film room all week. They're going to have to be ready. They're going to have to be finding a way to really slow down this passing game because you need to make this a Joe Mixon game. You really need to control the clock from the Raiders' offensive perspective with Jacobs and Carr. Um, ultimately, this is going to be a uh, time of possession game for me if the Raiders have any chance. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, and a Joe Mixon game isn't like anything against Mixon. He could run for 200 mm-hmm. on them, no problem. But I think what you're saying, too, is that the Raiders have so many injuries on their secondary. And if you just watch the end of that Chargers-Raiders game yeah. from last weekend, like Herbert dominated them mm-hmm. with Keenan Allen not playing well. And I don't know what's going on there. Um, but the three weapons that Cincinnati brings to the table on the outside with Boyd, Higgins, and Jamar Chase is going to be too much for the Raiders to handle. So if they can force them to run the ball, if they can take the ball out of Burrow and Chase's hands more specifically and make them kind of give that Kansas City Chiefs defense, right? Like make them methodically go down the field. I think the Raiders have a chance to be in the game in the fourth quarter, which is the only chance they have to win. They're not going to blow them out. Even if they get up 20-21 early, the the Bengals can easily make comebacks. They've shown all year they can drop 60-70 yard touchdowns Mm -hmm. on you in one play. So five and a half is under a touchdown, obviously, for the line. I'm going to go with Cincinnati minus five and a half. My score for the game, I can see this being somewhere around a 31 to 20 ball game. I think I think the Raiders can get some points, but at the end of the day, Max Crosby just isn't going to be enough defensively. I think the rate, uh, excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals score about five times, right? Four touchdowns and a field goal is what I'm going to predict. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bengals as well, and I would say 34, 21, 34, you know, 24. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. just think the Bengals have a more high-powered offense. And ultimately, if I'm a play caller, if I'm a Madden play caller here, right? Because I'm a very big amateur. <laughs> I'm just I'm dropping a, a nickel every single time out there. If I'm if I'm the Raiders, you know, nickel dime set defense. I'm going to zone the absolute shit out of the Bengals, and I'm going to force Burrow to do exactly what you said: find your holes right? 
find your holes in my defense. I'm going to basically give Mixon the five yards every time because it's the sure. only chance you stand. Um, but I think ultimately it's going to be a good game. This Raiders team has outperformed what we expected, and I, I expect them to play well this weekend. And they shouldn't. <laughs> With that roster, they should not perform well. So um, it should be a fun game. Yeah, they shouldn't. Um, but, hey, they made the playoffs in. At the end of the day, and we say this all the time on our podcast, you are what your record says. Mm -hmm. So their record says they're a playoff team. They beat the teams they needed to. Who knows, man? Um, I I think it should be a pretty good game, too. We both are on the Bengals there. Next game, and this should be another fantastic game. I think this is the night game. Um, Saturday is Buffalo is hosting New England. Temperatures are supposed to be at nighttime, a low of one degree. So it's not, I don't think there's any precipitation. So I don't think there's any snow, but it's going to be cold as shit out there, right? Both teams from the East coast with, um, New England playing, you know, in Massachusetts and Buffalo being in Buffalo. But I think the weather is going to have another massive effect. If you all remember the weather, the first game was so bad. Mac Jones only threw the ball two times and it still helped the Patriots to win in Buffalo. So the line is four points. I think honestly, I think this is the moment where we see, okay, Mac Jones is a great pick. He was the guy that they thought he was going to be. But I think this is the first game where we're going to see Mac Jones actually full-blown lose the game for the Patriots. I like Buffalo here minus four a lot. I think Buffalo has a lot to prove. They've had an underperforming season to our standards, to any of the experts um, You know, in the offseason. You and I, or actually I picked Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl. I still like them as the favorite coming out of the AFC in the playoffs here. So I'm going to ride with Buffalo minus the four. I think they're going to prove a lot of people right and wrong throughout this season right as in they were the favorites all year with kansas city and wrong as in they didn't lose it they're not like i thought they were fake but i think they're going to prove everybody um wrong this year from their poor performances yeah and once that run game got going we started to see the real um potential of this offense right we had we have been screaming it from week like 11 through 14 run the ball run the ball please run the ball And once they started doing that, we started seeing the Bills team of last year. You know, this high explosive powered offense. I'm going to take Buffalo minus four here as well. Even with the conditions, I think that only benefits Baltimore. uh, Excuse me, Buffalo. Um, And (laughs) if you remember that first game that you spoke about where it was really run centric from the Patriots and Buffalo, the wins were outrageous as well. You really couldn't rely on throwing the ball at all because you couldn't guarantee where it was going to go. Hopefully right. it's not the same issue and hopefully it's just flat out cold. But I think with Singletary and the run option of Allen, Buffalo is going to have the advantage because ultimately this is a playoffs. This is where having seasoned quarterbacks matter. And you're right. Mac Jones has had poor performances the last three or four weeks. And I think that's really going to come kind of into the limelight here where it's like, yes, he's a rookie. But, and yes, he's had a good season, but he's facing Josh Allen and he's facing the number one defense in the NFL. And I don't right. really know how that's still possible without Tredavious White, but that defense continues to find a way to be very, very efficient. Yep, for sure. And I think they're going to prove me wrong throughout the season, talking all that shit on them. And I mean, I just had higher expectations for them. And I think this is kind of like one of those years with Rodgers and the Packers where mediocre season lost a lot of games they shouldn't have, but hey, you know, the R-E-L-A-X, like we're going to go on a run here that he's talking about more recently and has in the past. Like, I think that's how Buffalo's thinking about it in-house as well. Their their Mm. team is no slouch. Obviously, Trey White being out does suck, but I, I totally agree with you. Both of us are on Buffalo again here, minus the four at home. 
Um, but as far as the score, I think it'll be a little bit lower. But uh, next game. This is going to be an interesting game. This is the early game Sunday here. Is Tampa Bay is at home. Uh, the defending champs trying to reclaim their Super Bowl ring against the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Eagles got blown out week 18 against the Cowboys, but they didn't really play anyone. Jalen Hurts is going to get his first start in the playoffs. Looks like Levante David will be back for um, for Tampa. I think I saw Fournette should be back as well. So they're going to get some of their pieces back, and that's been Tampa's issue all year is health. Uh, the line is set at 8.5 here, which is a high number, but at the end of the day, what I'm thinking, where I'm leaning is just you got to kind of go with the better team. I'm never going to be the guy anymore that bets against Brady into postseason until he's out. What I will say is if he's going to lose a game, especially lose a game against the spread, it will be in the wild card weekend. Those are usually the games where he finds himself out of the playoffs historically in the playoffs, right? This is going to be his first game, but I think Tampa's too deep. I think him and Mike Evans and Gronk have too good of a connection. Even without Antonio Brown, that offense is explosive. And at the end of the day, Philadelphia, they, they really have not beat a over 500 playoff caliber team all season. And you cannot discredit that. Yeah, man, I, it, this is a hard pick for me, but I am going to take Philly at minus eight and uh, plus eight and a half. And it's because of the high line. And honestly, I agree with what you said. Brady, first week of the playoffs, you know, the the momentum may not be there, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the weapons, concerned about not having Godwin and not having Antonio Brown. You know, yes, you have Evans and yes, you have Gronk, but this is a different offense and we haven't had to see them play at a high level since those guys went out. And this will be the first real playoff test, quote unquote, against Philly. And you just said it too, Philly really isn't a playoff team, even though they are. But I think Hurts and Sanders might come out and actually surprise people this weekend. I am not expecting a Philly win kind of in any classification at all, but I do expect them to cover because I think Hurts having a couple you know weeks off now, he's had about a week and a half to prepare since he was um, completely benched against the Cowboys, is going to be ready to run the ball. And having Levante David back is huge so that they can hold off that run game, but I really right. do believe in Jalen Hurts, and I believe, again, if you look back kind of at the Raiders-Bengals game, it's going to be about controlling the football. It's about controlling the clock and allowing that Philly defense to just make life a little more challenging on Brady. Uh, I expect yeah. this to be a lower-scoring game, and I expect it to be run-heavy. I think Fournette, if he is back, is going to be use-heavy in this game. Yeah, we've talked about this individual all year, but keep an eye on Darius Slay. Philadelphia somehow wins, and definitely if they cover uh, it's going to be because Darius Slay not only slowed down Evans, but took him out of the game plan. That is going to be the key matchup. He is a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. He's been carrying them defensively at points in the season. Um, I personally just, I, I, I disagree with you. Just I just can't bet on them nor pick them ATS just because they've every time they've played a good team, they've gotten their ass whooped. So it is what it is. Um, I, this is the most intriguing matchup of the weekend for me. You know, if they could knock Brady out of the playoffs, holy cow, um, not only would that be a massive win for Philly, but, you know, it, it could possibly close the curtains on Brady's career. You never know. You never know. Yeah, I mean, and I, th I think to your point of ending his career, you know, like we'll have to see where his temper, his temperament is after this. Does he come out blaming people? Does he come out frustrated? Or does he come out and just say, hey, you know what? It wasn't our year. We had some injuries. Um, I think that would be even a bigger storyline than Philly winning would be. Where is Brady's head at? A hundred percent, dude. I mean, he's 
He's the GOAT, right? Yep. <laughs> um, next game on Sunday is going to be the game I wish was the Sunday night game, but it isn't. San Francisco-Dallas. Um, this is the game I'm most looking forward to on the weekend. I think this is going to be the best game, most drama, probably a call here or there that's going to you know, basically change the game. Uh, San Francisco, when we look, they're still a three-point underdog in Dallas. San Fran had a massive win, as we discussed on the last podcast, in L.A. over the Rams this past weekend. Um, this is the game of the week. This is it right here. Buck's going to be on the call. Aikman's going to be on the call, even though they're fucking homers for Dallas. And, you know, <laughs> nothing like a Dallas game with a Dallas former Dallas quarterback calling it. That's besides the point. Um, three points. Dallas hasn't proved a lot this year. Similar to the Eagles, they haven't beaten anybody this year, right? You look on the flip side, San Francisco's done more than beat somebody. But at the end of the day, you look at the two teams on paper, and Dallas is a better team. They've got better weapons. They got a great defense. They have the pro bowlers, the all pro, maybe defensive player of the year. Probably won't get it, but he's going to be in the conversation. But for some reason, I just feel like Dallas is the underdog, even though they're not on paper. Right, Matt? Yeah, and I think it's the momentum factor. San Francisco has beaten a lot of really good opponents this season. They've also hung with, you know, the Packers and other teams in that division, which right. they've had they've been battle tested all year long. And they've done it and they haven't done it in flashy ways, and then they've done it in flashy ways. They have so many different ways to win. But we kind of talked off the air about this. If Dallas can get the passing game going early, San Francisco will yep. not be able to keep up. They won't. Jimmy G can't go out there and throw for 350 and four touchdowns. It's impossible. If you get down 14 points, running the ball with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel is not going to work. Leaning on that defense, which has a questionable secondary, is not going to be an option like it was in years past. If Dallas can get the gear engaged, they will win this game. But I am picking this as a San Francisco plus three because I love what I've seen all season. They've controlled the ball. They have not allowed opponents to really blow the doors off, causing them to have to make a comeback. And we saw it this past week against the Rams. You know, the Rams have the opportunity and the firepower to go out and put up a 21-point, you know, halftime um, advantage. And I, and I just didn't see it out there. So I'm expecting Dallas to struggle in the passing game. I'm expecting Ezekiel Elliott to struggle with the yards per carry. And I'm taking San Francisco. Yeah, it was a 17-point lead, but still. Um, well, I think mm -hmm. it was 17-3, but they were up 17-0, right, last yep. week. And uh, the Rams were over the Niners. And I agree with you. I, I don't think Dallas should lose this game. Not at all. Like, they should jump out, get to a, get off to a hot start, get Zeke going, get Pollard going. Um, and obviously, target Cooper, Schultz, and, you know, um, C.D. Lamb. Their teams, they, they have a great team. It is going to be on Dak, though. Dak makes that early mistake. You know, they turn it over. Debo gets hot. Kittle gets hot. I think that's why I'm going to pick San Francisco as well. We've talked about it at nauseum on the podcast. Kittle, Debo, if they're 100%, I don't want to play the San Francisco 49ers. Bosa, Warner, if they're 100%, I don't want to play the San Francisco 49ers. Guess what? All those guys are going to be in this weekend. I think it's a no-brainer to take the plus three in San Francisco. I kind of hope Dallas proves me wrong, but until they do, I just don't have faith in them. They haven't beaten anybody this year. End yeah. of the story. And I mean, being at home is going to help. This is this is a big time opportunity for them. And honestly, Big Mike, he brings his team out in the first round of play. We saw that with the yeah. Packers. You know, first round, Mike's guy's guy's ready to go. But my concern for the, for the Cowboys is, man, just that defense, you know, outside of Parsons and outside of Diggs. It's just a lot of question marks on that team. 
a ton of question marks. Uh, another team with a lot of question marks is the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> a report came out today that Juju might play this weekend, which, God, they could use all the help they could get from all their weapons. You know, Deontay Johnson's had a career year out there. Claypool was down from last year, but... I mean, we all know Big Ben is, you know, he's on his last limb. He came out yesterday and I loved what he said. He, be, I don't know if you saw this map, but Big Ben came out and said, oh yeah, we're not supposed to win. You know, we're a double digit underdog. Like we're just going there to lose. Basically sarcastically said we have no fucking chance, which to me is like, I don't know. Like there's sometimes with these stories in the NFL, historically, you could go back to Ray Lewis's last year, right? You can go back to Jerome Bettis's last year when you go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's times when there's these legacy players, which Ben is love him or hate him, right? He is a legacy player over the past, basically 20 years in the NFL where the team just starts doing things that they shouldn't do. Now, the line for the game, Pittsburgh is playing in Kansas City. It is up to 13 points now. We're almost at a two-touchdown advantage. I think Pittsburgh lost 30-10 to 10 to Kansas City about three, four weeks ago. So I honestly expect the same thing, right? But I'm going to go out on a limb here, Matt. I think Pittsburgh covers. I think they keep it close defensively. They've got Joe Hayden. They've got TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, right? I think the defense slows them down enough and gets them one key turnover to keep them close enough. Um, I think it's a 10-point game. I think Kansas City wins for sure, but I don't know. This is kind of similar to Brady right now. I just don't want to bet against Pittsburgh. They're kind of weirdly hot and have no business being here, which is why I like them plus the 13. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if they're weirdly hot. I think they're weirdly lucky. Um, and I'm hey, the same thing. <laughs> I'm not taking any chance on Big Ben. This is, you know, this isn't a Jacksonville Colts game where I'm like, well, you know, I could see Jacksonville winning. This is like I could see Ben Roethlisberger being taken off in a body bag, um, <laughs> you know, dead, cut in half, you know, by Jones. No, I, I think Kansas City absolutely blows it, blows them out, and I and I hope they do. Like, and I said it on the last podcast, you know, it would have almost been better for Ben to walk away in week 18 his final game you know we don't make the playoffs and we get to say goodbye because it's going to be an absolute bloodbath here Kansas City (laughs) is just so much better and their defense yes has improved we kind of talked about haven't really played a really good quarterback Um, well they don't have to do that again this week so I expect to see more of that you know that high tempo defense from Kansas City and I think uh, Matthew out there is going to take advantage of Big Ben and having Juju backs nice but Juju in my opinion, not really a high-end weapon anymore. You know, Ben's got Claypool. He's got the the rookie tight end, and he's got Johnson out there. What Juju brings to the table isn't what uh, other top-end receivers have. So I'm going to take Kansas City minus 13. I expect this to be a 21-point victory. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right, but you know, historically and on the record, I hope for some reason I am, you know, <laughs> I, I, my pick is definitely not the smart pick. My pick is, uh, I mean, I, I'm not even a homer, but you could call it a more homer pick, but I don't know. I just think 13's a lot. Um, Pittsburgh is fucking bad though. So we'll see here. The game of the night is on Monday or excuse me, the game of the weekend, second best game of the weekend is on Monday night. 
It's Rams Cardinals matchup number three between the two teams. Uh, the Cardinals beat the Rams early in the season in LA. The Rams, I think it was on Monday night, beat the Cardinals in Arizona. So they're running it back for round three in LA Monday night. Right now, the line is set at the Rams are four point favorite here at home. Um, all signs are pointing to both teams being as healthy as possible, minus the Cardinals are not going to have DeAndre Hopkins, which obviously has proven to be a massive issue for the team moving forward, which when we get to our offseason talk about top receivers, think about it. Um, but at the end of the day, four-point game, Rams are up and down. We've talked about their struggles. We both have our opinion on Matt Stafford and who he is. This is his big prove-it game. If he can't win this weekend, it's going to show a massive flaw in his entire NFL career. It's going to put a ding in his legacy because there is no more excuse. You went and traded for Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr. You've got all the weapons in the world, right? You have the best coach in the NFL, according to some people. And now they went and got, you know, Eric Weddle because their starting safety got hurt in practice. So there really is no excuse for the Rams not to win this game. But... Kyler and the boys aren't that bad. J.J. Watt will be back. What is your prediction analysis on the game here uh, coming up Monday night? So I'm going to take Arizona plus four, and I'm not really going to take Arizona plus four because I like what I've seen from the Cardinals. I'm going to take them because I do not like what I've seen from the Rams. And it's been continuous all season, right? It's the question marks of who else is out there outside of the big name guys. We'll beat this drum as many times as we have to. And I think with that last loss to the Rams, the Cardinals are going to come out with probably more of a conservative game plan. And I think we see Kyler Murray Murray really start to get out of the pocket and start to run the ball. Because without DeAndre Hopkins, you're going to have to buy yourself time for your other receivers to get open. You know, this is a time for uh, Kirk, Rondell Moore, really to step up their game. And hopefully A.J. Green can decide that he actually wants to read his playbook and understand that he's supposed (laughs) to look for the ball when it's thrown to him. Um, But... I just have, there's a feeling in my mind that this is going to be a field goal game. I don't know that the Rams lose this game, but every time these guys play each other, it's a close game. It's a hard fought game. And every single player on each side is going to be fighting for that extra yard. And JJ is coming back. That's a big thing for Arizona. That's a leadership role. And he's been there multiple times throughout his entire career. I just think Arizona keeps this interesting. Yeah, I think they keep it interesting, too. I think you made the perfect point on why I'm taking them plus the four as well. I don't see this being more than a field goal game either. This is going to come down to a last minute, you know, pass, kick, whatever it might be. You know, one team might be up four, down four, three, two, one, whatever it might be. Um, My biggest concern for Arizona is their offensive line. The reason they lost to the Rams on Monday night about a month and a half ago, two months ago, was because they couldn't block for Murray to save his life. And if that happens again, they're going to get blown out and they're going to lose. But Stafford hasn't gone a game without an interception in over a month. He keeps making mental mistakes. And if they somehow lock up Cooper Cup third time playing against him, so they should have a solid game plan. I like the Cardinals a lot here. So plus the four um, for both of us. We only have two disagreements. Not bad. I was going to say, I think the best playoff game we could actually get is our disagreement games. I would love to see (laughs) the Steelers and the Eagles fight each other if they lose. I mean, that would never happen, but that would actually be halfway decent of a football game. Transitioning here to the NBA, the association, they've seemed to kind of come out on the other side with all their COVID issues that they were having earlier this year. And believe it or not, trade deadlines February 10th. 
less than a month away from today. And we've had our first big trade, in my opinion, of the season this year. Cam Reddish from the Atlanta Hawks moving over to the New York Knicks for a protected first round pick in 2022. So this offseason uh, and Kevin Knox, a pretty solid young player. Uh, I think him and Reddish are the same year uh, in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Last year, throughout the finals in our coverage of, you know, the Bucks going through and everything that was transpiring in the playoffs, you and I were both like, damn, this Cam Reddish kid is really nice, right? He was very good at Duke with Zion and RJ Barrett. So there's that marriage there in New York with him and Barrett, but he had a lot of injuries and was just coming back from injury. I saw a pretty cool stat that without Trey Young, Reddish was averaging just about 20 points a game. With him, it dipped to about 13. You and I both looked at this and immediately said, what the fuck is Atlanta doing? This has to be a win for the New York Knicks. And then when you pull up the standings and it's like, wow, Atlanta's really underperforming this year. Maybe they're calling it a season in January. What were your thoughts when you saw this and when I texted you like, dude, did you see this trade today? Well, I wasn't as surprised because there were rumblings months back that Radish might be out. Even after the playoffs, there were rumblings that, you know, maybe they'll make a move. They'll move on from Reddish, which to what you just said, we both watched that series and it was like, damn, Cam Reddish could be top 50 in the league in a couple of years here. He can shoot, mm-hmm. you know, he can score on the ISO. There's a lot of pieces of his game I really, really like, and I think he might have been overshadowed by Barrett and Zion, where maybe at Duke we didn't really see that this guy could be a top-line performer. And then, boom, they trade him for basically, you know, a trash can and a garbage bag. Um, but I, I think <laughs> when you when you look at getting your first-round pick as a team, what you're saying is I like the position that that pick will be more than this player. And obviously the Knicks are saying, well, hell, we would way rather have Cam Reddish. And we kind of talked off air about this on the phone before we recorded today. And you brought up a good point. Maybe it's just the fact that Reddish does need the ball in his hands and Trey's just saying, absolutely not. This is my team. Offense runs through me. Either way, I think the Hawks made a massive mistake. I think you let this kid develop. I think you sign him to the next three or four year deal when he becomes a restricted free agent. Let him become a partial star and then move on for him. Because I think Reddish is going to go to New York and be, if not the second, maybe the third scoring option, they're going to actually give him a chance to really develop. I think this is a win for Reddish. I think it's a win for the Knicks. And I think it's a loss for the Hawks because the kids scared me last year in the playoffs. You don't trade somebody that puts fear in your opponent's eyes. You just don't do it. So it makes no sense. Yeah, I actually think he could be the number one scoring option and take the pressure off Randall. You know, the mm-hmm. reason the Hawks lost to New York last year in the playoffs um, was because they, they were just begging them to shoot threes, yeah. begging the Knicks to shoot jumpers. They're like, we're going to pack it in and you know double-team Randall, not let him beat us. And it fucking worked. So I, and I don't get why you trade him to a rival. It just didn't make any sense. I totally agree with you, bro. I think this was an absolute... Uh, I think it's a colossal mistake by Atlanta. You know, put it on TikTok out there. People are already agreeing with us. So it is what it is, man. But other guy, your favorite player in the league, Ben Simmons. He's on your fantasy team, named after your fan or your team is named after him <laughs> in fantasy basketball this year, um, which has been rough over the past month with COVID. Regardless, but Ben Simmons. Now the rumor comes out that they're nowhere near a deal with anyone. Daryl Morey still wants top level talent for Ben Simmons. And you know what? We've kind of, we've given Ben a hard enough time on this podcast since, you know, last year and into the beginning of the NBA season this year, but I'm done blaming Ben. This is all on the front office for me now. Like you're looking for top tier talent for Ben Simmons, like, which I understand that, but you've done nothing but make him look 
like an insignificant player on top of the play that he's had on the court. It all started, and you called this last year when Ben, or excuse me, when Doc Rivers made Ben look like an absolute idiot and not an all-star player in that press conference after they they lost that series to um, Atlanta, which was completely warranted. But you going out there and putting your own player on blast and making him not look like a top-level talent in the NBA is not helping his draft stock. And now you're at this point where you are currently in the NBA season where he doesn't want to come back. You don't want to trade him for something that you think is insignificant. And he's just going to end up wasting an entire year and you're not going to get any value for it. And you guys aren't going to miss the, the finals again. There you have no chance without a second option for Embiid. Yeah. And I mean, how many teams and how many different sports have we seen this though, right? A player's disgruntled, the front office is holding their ground as to saying, we're not giving him up for anything less than what we want. And then in the off season, they trade him for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And, and we're seeing it unfold here with Ben Simmons. But when you really think about it, the few packages that have been talked about around the NBA for a possible Ben Simmons trade, honestly, I think it's just more enjoyable as an organization to watch this guy rot because I think CJ McCollum's from <laughs> Portland was thrown out there before he had the injury. And like, just ultimately, you're not getting the value back that is going to get you to that level you want with Embiid, which is ultimately the NBA finals. Um, and while on top of that, you have to go through Brooklyn no matter what. So I, I think at this point, you know, trade him in the offseason for what you can. It's probably going to be even less than it was this season, which, again, I think the highest valued player I've heard was CJ out of Portland. Um, but I just love it. I love the situation. I don't, I don't like the 76ers. <laughs> I hate Ben Simmons. I wouldn't mind to see Ben Simmons set out the rest of his two-year contract. I think that's what he has left, is two years. Um, so, yeah, I think so, too. Right? You know, just literally doesn't play until he's 28 years old again. Now, that's not going to happen, but... You're right. What the organization did, what Doc Rivers did, it just didn't do the kid any justice. If this, if he had an expiring contract and you want to take him to the wood chipper and just absolutely torch him <laughs> in, a, in a, you know, a post-season, post-game interview, by all means, you know, talk as much shit as you want to, but you can't undervalue your own players, especially when you have Embiid. Because I think the bigger story here is we continue to waste Embiid's career year after right. year, right? You know, a few years ago, they had Jimmy Buckets on the team, you know, with the idea of maybe we can make a run. Those days are slowly being limited. And I think it's just a shame that Embiid doesn't get the opportunity to go up against Giannis and go up against Durant because Embiid's body is not going to continue to hold up. I don't think by 30, 31, he's going to be the same player. And I agree with you. By the by, that time, maybe Philly has a running mate for him finally. So this is a very interesting uh, situation to watch. I think if Philly's smart, and I don't know their draft pick circumstances right now, I think you start pairing up picks with Ben Simmons to go out and get an actual running mate for Embiid. You know, make a deal that's actually lucrative for another team where it's like, hey, if you get Simmons and he's also a bust on your team, at least we're giving you some some low end incentive that maybe you'll get a, get a hot twenty overall pick or something like that sure sure no i know i totally agree with that I, I love that right like give them some more incentives mm -hmm. get off your high horse because you made this bed daryl now nah, you gotta sleep in it bro like yep. if you want dame lillard you're gonna need a lot more than ben simmons <laughs> right like yeah. I, I get dame's had his worst year of his career this year thus far but like come on man like you, this is this isn't 2k you know this isn't mm -hmm. fantasy land out here but speaking of fantasy land you made an awesome point and we're going to end the show here with this today and we are going to call this the potential best 
finals of all time, Matt. So I'm going to let you close out the show before I finish off and, you know, say bye to everyone. Tell the listener why we might have the best finals ever this year. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I haven't really kept a pulse on basketball. It's been football season. And uh, one of my buddies at work, Nick, was, he's a big Golden State Warrior fan, big, big time fan. And he's from the area, so rightfully so. You know, he has that that right and that flagship to the fandom. Um, and he was just excited about the Warriors. And we were talking about the Warriors and talking about the Nets and talking about a potential collision course that we could see from the East and the West. And it really got me thinking and it got me excited. You know, Kevin Durant going to play against the team that he won a couple ships with, right? You've got, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving now back from the COVID protocol and the COVID BS possibly going to play the Warriors, who obviously he battled with with LeBron. You've got James Harden, who could not beat the Warriors to save his life. And Klay Thompson (laughs) is back, right? We kind of talked about this off-air. Andrew Wiggins is now kind of that third option in that offense now that he's able to kind of take a step back, not have to be the number one scoring force, is very productive in that offense. I think this could be one of the greatest finals of all time. I think it could be extremely entertaining. It would really be Curry against Durant, right? And then Clay would come in there with James Harden. But these have been the guys we have watched for the last 10, 12 years in the NBA, absolutely put on shows night in, night out. And what what Curry has done this season to pass the three-point mark is just continuing to elevate the Hall of Fame status, the all-time great status that he is. And Durant obviously losing to Milwaukee last year with that one toe out of the three-point line. Um, I think the collision course is definitely headed our way. I think they're the two best teams in the NBA once Clay is 100% healthy. And once right. once Kyrie is reintegrated into that offense efficiently, kind of been keeping an eye on the box score. He's been kind of taking it slow. He's had a couple of good games, but... There's no doubt in my mind, these are the two best teams right now in the NBA. You know, Milwaukee's kind of hanging around because they have that championship pedigree, you know, but look at the look at the East right now. The Bulls are up there at number one. And last night, the Nets absolutely smashed them. <laughs> and, and I think ultimately, we like to talk about this a lot. You pick the best player, Golden State and Brooklyn. They have the best players. This, this is 100%. ready for a Mount Rushmore finals. And I'm very, very excited for it. Yep, Stat Muse today came out and said that uh, on Twitter, said that the Nets are 13-3 and when they're big three plays. Mm. That goes back to last year. Um, let's all be honest, with a healthy James Harden, healthy Kyrie, the Bucks were going to lose mm-hmm. that series. Kyrie going out, Harden uh, pulling the hammy again you know, cost the Nets the series. And as Bucks fans, that's awesome. But <laughs> at the end of the day, we, we both know what we saw. I think the whole world saw what we saw in you know, Holiday, Middleton, Giannis, obviously great big three, still nowhere near Harden and Durant. I argue Harden's a top five player in the league when 100% healthy, and he's proving that again this year. He's in shape, playing well. I love it, Matt. I would love to see that finals too, even though obviously it'd be nice to see the Bucks get there again. Everyone, we have some big announcements coming up here towards the beginning. Well, I guess the middle, we call it the beginning, the middle of the NBA season, the conclusion of football. So follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, at PitcherBetPod to catch up with all these updates. Matt and I have a lot in store coming up on our year anniversary of starting the pod. So we appreciate all the listeners out there, all the followers, and you all have a great weekend. Have a fun wildcard weekend. We will see you guys next week. Cheers. <laughs>